Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit PlanetBcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. Hi, what's up, and welcome to an extremely sick, in both definitions of the word, episode of Serious Issues, a Whitley comic book podcast, in which one of us is so sick that he decided not to taint the room, the house of his co-host. Thank you for that. That's, that, that sick man is Andrew Levins, the, the man who you can hear croaking into a microphone now. And every week, he and his co-host, Siobhan Coombs... Who is fully sick, in the sort of that's right, other in, sense in the, in the of the good word. way. Um... We, we, we read all the comics is what we do mm-hmm. every single week. And we tell you which ones are good, which ones are bad, and which ones are fully sick. And uh, this episode is brought to you by a very special person. Um, his name is Denim Harry. Cool name. Denim Harry has been a, a Patreon supporter of Serious Issues for a long, long time. And he's an active member of the Serious Issues community. Um, he is just one of many young rural Australians. <laughs> Love talking about comic books with good idiots like us. So thank you, Denim, for your support of the show and for allowing this episode to be possible. Thanks, Denim. Um, Sorry that that you sponsored the sick episode. (laughs) I'll try not to throw up. (laughs) Um, uh, This episode is also brought to you by King's Comics, the great people in uh, in Sydney, the greatest comic book store in the world, some might say. I do say Um, that. You you say it constantly. It's tattooed on your back. Yeah. Um, 310 Pitt Street, Sydney is where King's Comics exists, mm. and they are lovely enough to give us all the comic books that we review on the show every single week, and it is also the place where you can find every comic book show, every comic book that we talk about the show on every week, mm-hmm. um, including the rare ones, especially the rare ones, and they have an enormous selection of great comic books that you should go check out. If you can't make it there in person, head to kingscomics.com and find all the books that we talk about there. Yeah, there's heaps of like warehouse stuff on the um, website as well, which you can't get in store. Which is cool. The fabled King's Comics warehouse that that, that I I just I, I plead with the King's Comics owners just let me in there, <laughs> let me in there for ten minutes. That's all I want in this world. You'll just and never they, they you'll never leave is the problem. It's really haunted. <laughs> uh, one day maybe we can record our hundredth episode from the King's Comics warehouse. <laughs> we'll just both die of inhaling dust of dust inhalation. <laughs> So every week we begin the show by reviewing all of last week's new number one issues, all the first issues that came out last week, and we call this segment First Things First. Siobhan, I will allow you to pick the, the, the first number one issue that we talk about. All right. Thank you. What a treat. I'm going to choose 
Dark Knight's Batman Lost. Because it's got oh, the shiniest okay. cover. So the big DC event now is called Dark Knight's Metal. And the main series is done by Scott Snyder and um, art by... What's his name? Greg uh, Capullo. The, the guy that, Greg Capullo. Oh, what's his name? Oh, what's and, his name? It like had a very strong start, and now we are just getting all of these one shots that are linked to these different ver- evil versions of the Batman that mm-hmm. have come from an evil dark dark universe. And this one is kind of brings us back up back to with like our regular Batman, who's like lost in the evil universe, and so we see this like retelling of his origin story and what makes him the Bat, mm. and he's linked to Barbatos. The Evil Batman. Um, and so this is a book that's been written by Scott Snyder with James Tinney in the fourth and Joshua Williamson with art by um, some of the better um, DC kind of stable stable artists at the mm-hmm. moment. Doug Mankey, Yannick Paquette, and Jorge Jimenez. Love those Yannick um, Paquette pages. I love them. Uh, you beat me to it. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, this this story was... It's, it's, it's kind of all over the place. It, uh, I should say it has... Uh, has colors by Will Quintana, Nathan Fairbairn, and Alejandro Sanchez. And I think, like, I think this story is kind of, like, let down by all of those one-shots because I think if this came immediately after we lost Batman to the Dark Universe mm-hmm. or whatever the fuck happened, this would have been this really cool issue. Like, even if it came out, like, a month after with nothing in between, it would have been like, oh, good, catching up with this story. But... It just kind of feels like, oh, another weird retelling of Batman's origin, like yet another one for this event. And I just kind of like, I just kind of bored by it. It kind of, to me, this issue read kind of like Scott Snyder trying to do his best Grant Morrison, like trying to do this really meta story about like what the bat means. And it just kind of, I don't think he necessarily pulled it off. And I think also I didn't especially love it just because I have not kept up really consistently with Snyder's Batman stuff and so I feel like there was a lot of uh, stuff that he was referencing in this to do with the Court of Owls and like the birds versus the bats which has been going on for all time um, that I just didn't it went over my head a little bit and it was kind of boring also <laughs> yeah look it wasn't it was it wasn't bad by any means it was certainly better than the other one shots we've gotten mm-hmm. i just think that like yeah that, 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 that they've kind of shot themselves in the foot with this um well did i say marvel did that last week well now yes. dc have done it everyone's shooting themselves <laughs> um, in all their feet <laughs> um and uh yeah i just i just feel like this would have been way stronger had we not got all the other one shots before it i think you're right i agree also the big reveal of bob Barbatos or whatever looks heaps like the Spectre. Yep. Is he supposed to be the Spectre? He looks like the Spectre with bat ears. Yeah, that's true. Um, no, I don't think so, but maybe that would be cool if the Spectre came back. I like the Spectre. Same. He's someone that's been missing from DC books. Agreed. Bring him back. Bring back the Spectre. But it just feels like like those initial those you know the the, the two kind of prelude metal issues that mm. we got that we really enjoyed that whole all bringing back all the old DC things that we love so much. Mm-hmm. It just feels like so long ago, and I feel like we haven't caught back up with any of those things. Like, where the, remember them in the fucking Sandman was part of this? Yeah, totally. Like, where's Mister Terrific? Bring, he just bring. Wait, did Snyder just bring the Sandman back for one panel? <laughs> yeah, that's it. This is like the um, Doctor Manhattan tease all over again. Yeah, 
maybe he's, he's playing another very, very long play with all these uh, kind of references. Like, what's going on with the, pla- with the, the, the Plastic Man egg? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Don't tease me like that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, th- th- this event feels very, very stretched out and long because I feel like it doesn't really end until, like, February or March. Yeah. Um, which is a long time away. Anyway. Uh, Batman lost. All fine. Get lost. <laughs> Uh, let's move from DC to Image because they put out a couple of number ones this week. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to start with one that I enjoyed most of. Um, this came out through Top Cow and was written by Zach Kaplan, who put out a, uh, a book last year called Eclipse that we quite enjoyed the first few issues of, mm-hmm. um, with art by Andrea Mutti, who um, I really enjoy on Brian Wood's Rebels uh, book over at Dark Horse. All right. Um, and Port of Earth. Port of Earth is the, na- the name of this comic with the two of these two working together. And um, I'm a bit split on this issue because the first half of the issue was incredible uh, in that it kind of explains that aliens appear on Earth and all they want to do is set up a portal um, for them to like basically refuel. Mm-hmm. Basically, they, they want to make like a, like a, pl- a place that alien spacecrafts can refuel. So basically they just use Earth as like a, like a pit stop in the mm-hmm. universe. And so they make a port in the middle of the ocean um, and... At one point, um, there is an attack. Aliens kill a bunch of humans, and the humans, in retaliation, kill the aliens. And uh, um, because of this, they have to make like an, a force, um, a police force, I guess, mm. um, to to basically keep the aliens in line. And Special all the way up to that cops. point, I was like, hell yeah! I was like, this mm. is this is like a really really fun concept, super cool. And then suddenly it just became this very... I guess I tried to kind of build the characters a bit, but it became like this weird buddy cop situation. Um, a complete tonal change for the second half of the issue. And neither um, of the characters were especially interesting thus far. They're sort of like... Yeah, I was hoping... Two normal white guys. One's a bit sassier and has yeah. a beard. I was hoping they were, they were going to build them up just, just to kill them. Yeah. Because I like when comic books do that, but that didn't happen. Um but I, I enjoyed the first half of this and, and the world that, 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 that they created with, for this book um, enough to give this another shot. And Moody does such an amazing job of, like, there's such a variety of aliens and they sort of give you a little guide yes. in the back of, like, the main uh, species and um, that's good fun. That's really fun. I'm on board. Yeah. I'll give it another couple issues. Yeah, me too. It, it, it was a very fun sci-fi book. Mm. Um, I think it just just tried to be a bit too fun towards the end and uh, I lost a lot of the really like cool situations that it set up in the first half. And also the coloring was quite odd. It's a very like grayscale yeah. book. It's very sort of dimly lit or something. Well, yeah, totally. Um, colors by Vladimir Popov. An interesting um, yeah, choice. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll check back in on this when the, when the next issue comes out. It is promising for sure. Um, I can't say the same for the next issue um, that we're going to talk about. This is a new image book called Coyotes, mm-hmm. written by Sean Lewis um, and Caitlin Yarsky on art. Siobhan, tell us what this book's about. So this book appears to be about a community in some kind of South American deserty area who are fighting what seem like possessed demon coyotes. And a girl's right. whole family is killed by these coyotes and so she goes and lives with this woman called the Duchess who is training her to be like a super coyote assassin I really liked this issue you didn't? I just found the it it really it really just seemed like it was written by a dude doing 
like young hip female dialogue that I really I, I just didn't gel with me at all. Uh, I didn't I didn't heaps get that, but I think I was so totally sold and won over by the art that I was okay with it. I think this is like I love the a art. beautiful yeah, looking book um, that I sort of <laughs> went along with it a bit. And like there's a, like the Duchess's dialogue is very sort of funny and her word balloons are kind of all uh, designed cool. It's impossible for me to explain what they look like. Just pick up a copy and have it have a peek. But the, um, there is a, a, a backup story in this called Coffee, which kind of explains the the, the backstory of one of the the main characters in this book. And I actually enjoyed that more than the um, than the main issue. Mm, yes, that was a um, a grim read, and this is like this is very violent, and it's quite sort of grim and dark. But um, I like it. I like this. I'm on board. This is um. Sean Lewis wrote The Few, which is a book that I didn't uh, like, but you did. Yeah. So this is an, on, an ongoing theme mm. for Sean Lewis. I'm your friend, Sean Lewis. <laughs> it's good to have a friend like Siobhan. <laughs> um, so let's talk about... Uh, oh God, I, okay, now, I, I, I'm going to complain about a few books this week, but I know you're going to complain about this one with me too. Yeah. Um, this one came out through Heavy Metal Comics, and it's called Black Hole Repo, 1985 Part 1. Did you read this? I did. I did. Uh, written by Seth M. Sherwood with Michael Marici and pencils and inks by John Bivens with colors by John Bivens and Seth M. Sherwood. This is like a future punk space book mm-hmm. in which there is a president called um, Ronald Rump. <laughs> it's one of the most subtly compelling satirical takes on Donald Trump that I have seen in comics. Um it's not that uh, at all. I've, I've, I've deleted a lot of this from my brain. Um, I liked <laughs> the art and how, like, you know... I think the, the, art, the art captured the punk aesthetic that the book was going for a lot more successfully than the writing did. I agree. Um, the colours like, very it good. Involved like a, it was like a space mission to... I can't remember why they were going into space. They're like space. anarchists who repossess uh, abandoned spaceships for money and they, like, steal spaceships for money. And it's... It's the new year. It's 1985, guys. Like, if you're going to do some weird alternate sci-fi thing, and it's set in 1985, why is Donald Trump president? Choose which era you're satirizing, please. Yeah, Um, it's not like there wasn't a British, um, you know, uh, comparison of Donald Trump in the 80s. Absolutely. Where was Margaret Ratcher? Yeah, Wait, <laughs> <laughs> Last week we established that you're not a Jetsons fan, right? Because <laughs> yeah. that's how Astro speaks. But it's also how Scooby-Doo Scooby. speaks. Ragrit Ratcha. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, look, I enjoyed how many, um, how many nude willies were in this book, but that was about it. I don't think I'm going to keep going. Nude. Wait, is nude willie, is that a political reference too? <laughs> to what? <laughs> What would that be, Rev? Um, uh, over to Vault Comics now um, for a, a book called Deuce of Hearts. What was this um, about? This one comes to us. Sorry. Yeah. Continue. <laughs> um, written by Ricardo Moe with art by Tony Gregory. Um, Siobhan seems to have a great grasp of what this uh, book was about, so please let us know. Like, there's a guy and he breaks people's hearts so that he gets something from an app? Is that what it is? Yeah. What? But then he, he, broke, he broke the wrong heart. It was the wife of a 
mob guy, and now he's gonna kill him. I don't know what any of this is. And his barman is a monster of some kind. Yeah, there's and monsters. What? Yeah, and then he gets reunited with his daughter at the end. <laughs> yeah. That's that's my review. Vault Comics... <laughs> Vault comics are like, you know, it's cool that they're, they're giving a lot of uh, new new properties and new cool ideas a chance, but I don't know, maybe maybe sit on things a bit longer mm. before p- putting it to print. <laughs> yeah, this was a um, bit of a miss in that I have no fucking idea what happened in it at all. Yeah, it just ended and I was like, well, I'm glad that ended. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's not what you want. It was a tough week for number ones this week. Yeah. I got, it got to the point where I just saw like the small pile of what I had left. I made it through half of Kong on the Planet of the Apes. Sorry, uh, through Boom, and then uh, did oh, you yeah. read Kong on the on the Planet of the Apes? I sure I, did. Uh, I re- I made it through half of it. I really liked the art. Um, this came out through Boom Comics this week. It's a mini series um, written by Ryan Ferrier, illustrated by Carlos Magno, and colors by Alex uh, Gamares. Um, and uh, yeah. I, uh, I I we I feel like I didn't know we even actually like su- like suggest that someone do a um, King Kong on the Planet of the Apes book a few weeks ago. Yeah, and now it's here. Did and- we accidentally will this into existence? <laughs> we must have done. It's the only possible um, answer. I quite enjoyed this. And then I read a third of it. That's fine. You know, I sort of I don't really know anything about the Planet of the Apes, so I think that really hampered my enjoyment of the series as a whole. But the art's really good. Yeah, again, I think that, that, that's, that's a common theme for whenever I don't like a Planet of the Apes book. I just don't have m- much love for the franchise. Yeah. Because I've not given it much time of day in, in the past before, so hmm. that's on me. <clears throat> it's not necessarily a bad book by any means. It just uh, failed to captivate my mind. Hmm. Yes, if you like both of these franchises, this is a good book for you. Yeah, I mean, I, and I don't think that captivating the mind of someone who's watched half a Planet of the Apes <laughs> movie in his lifetime... Is, is what the creators set out to do with this book. So, well done to the creative team. Agreed. <laughs> Did you read any more number ones? I read an issue zero. Could we talk about that now? Um, the Harbinger Renegades. Yeah. From Valiant. Who wrote and drew and did all the things on this? Uh, oh, gosh. Story by Rafa <laughs> Roberts. Art by Juan yep. Jose Rip. Colors by Andrew Dollhouse. Um, I don't know, I think this is another this, one of those. This, this is just, they just summarize everything that's happened before, right? Pretty much, yeah. And like, there are some yeah, creepy I, monk I, guys and some weird bad guys. It was, it was fine. <laughs> yeah, I've stopped reading these zero issues from Valiant. I prefer just waiting for the number ones and seeing a brand new series start and seeing if I, uh, you know, can, can jump on board with that. I think that's a good call. It would be like r- not reading the comics and just listening to us talk about it every week. <laughs> Who would do that? <laughs> so, Siobhan, that is the end of First Things First for this week. A little sm- small little uh, amount of first issues, and but that's a good thing, I think. I agree. That was nice. Because it uh, means we can, we can talk about the books that we actually enjoy reading um, for the rest of the episode. And uh, in order to figure out what we're going to talk about first, we play a great game called Roll the Dice for Marvel or DC, in which I roll a dice to figure out whether we should view Marvel, Image, or DC next. Um, if I roll one to two, we talk about Marvel first. If I roll three to four, talk about Image. If we roll five to six, talk about DC. The first one up is six, DC first. And then it is a two. So DC, Marvel, and finally Image is the order in which we're going to review all of this week's books. Great. Um, so let's start with DC. 
and uh, the book that everyone was talking about in our Facebook group, which you can find and join. Facebook.com slash groups slash Serious Issues Podcast is where you can find us. Um, the book is the M- Mr. Miracle, Issue 4, written by Tom King with art by Mitch Gerrids. Um, this is a uh, you know classic Tom King move um, in that he is you know bringing an extremely kind of grim, real-life sensibility to an enormous... Uh, cosmic space story mm-hmm. um, and this issue in particular um, really really doubled down on I guess the kind of depression suffered by Mr. Miracle um, amongst other things that I'm sure will be explored further in future issues um, but it's able to do handle all these extremely heavy themes by having like while, while having these like cosmic gods sitting on a couch eating crudita with dip. <laughs> mm, that was that was pretty great. Um, um, was- this is definitely the issue that I've enjoyed the most of Mr. Miracle so far. And I think I was trying to figure out why I didn't... why I wasn't enjoying this as much as I felt like I should have. Um, because it's so, like, widely acclaimed. And I think it's partially because I felt up until this issue that there wasn't, like much happening like there wasn't much of a plot it was all a bit just kind of like this happened and then this happened isn't it crazy and you can't see what's happening in this panel nine panels everyone um (laughs) but this issue kind of brought all those things together and gave me a bit more of an understanding of what's actually happening and i really like his portrayal of orion i think that's really like clever and cool and i think that what they're actually now doing with mr miracle is really good fun and this issue had a lot of big barter in it and that's a good way to get me on board with anything yeah, I, I think the, 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 his take on Big Barter is my favorite thing to come out of this series so far. Mm. Um, um, and I, I, I loved his take on their, their take on Orion because it's so often we just see creators just go, "Orion's a dick." Yeah, he's a big old dickhead and he hates everybody and he's a dick. Yeah, but he, he was like, he's still a bit of a dick in this, but you know, he had a stature about him mm. that um, that wasn't like cockish. It was just assuredness yeah um through his position and what he's been you know the life that he's lived but also a Um, kind of like stubborn uh pig-headedness or something yes 100 percent. but it was it was balanced you know and i feel like this this issue felt the most balanced between the big wild cosmic adventure stuff Mm -hmm. and the repercussions from from partaking in those things versus the inner workings of of, of Scott Free's mind. Yeah. I have one complaint, though. At one point, yes. um, Orion gets punched in the face, and he goes, Jesus. I don't think Orion would say <laughs> Jesus as a cuss. I think he would, you know, say dark side or high yeah, father totally. or, or something, or, you know? Or Orion. Yeah. <laughs> Just <his> own name. <laughs> I'm my own god, everyone. Um, at one point in the new Thor Ragnarok movie, which I enjoyed, um, Thor says... Thor says, oh, you saw it? Well done. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. That was impressive. In the, uh, did you see it from the crying room? I sure with did. baby in arms? That was good. What? I still haven't done that. It's real good. And, until he's not really a, ba- a baby anymore. So I've missed my chance. Unless I borrow Shadowstar for one afternoon. I'm fine with that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, but when Thor yells, I don't give a shit who you are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just thought that was the most out of, like, they were like, really? You, like, I know that, like, it's cool to make superheroes swear. Mm. But, like, Thor... The character, like I don't care how many words he's learnt in his small amount of time on Midgard. Yeah, like as if he wouldn't say, "I don't give a damn." Yeah, yeah. Who you are? Like, yeah, absolutely. Anyway, um, but uh, no, I, I think Mr. Miracle is really hitting its stride now. And Agreed. I, 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 
with everything that's introduced in this issue, I think the next one is going to be very uh, compelling indeed. I agree. Um, but this Mr. Miracle book kind of exists outside of regular um, DC continuity. Um, and so in, uh, but, so we'll, we'll head into regular continuity now for a few books. Um, God, that was a ter- terrible introduction. <laughs> <laughs> um, my painkillers just kicked out. Um, wore out. Uh, let's go oh about God. Detective Comics number 968, the finale of A Lonely Place of Living, um, which has been written by James Tinney IV, um, with art by one of the better artists to, to kind of show up on this run. Um, his name is on the last page here. Uh, his name is Alvaro Martinez, mm-hmm. um, with inks by Ra- Raul Fernandez. And colours by Tamu Moray. And great covers um, by Eddie Barrows. I really like these covers. Yes, they definitely. feel really classic. And like yeah, he is definitely. explicitly aping a George Perez cover here. Anyway. Yeah, definitely. Because um, this, this is like the partner event to the um, A Lonely Place of, of, of Dying mm-hmm. um, arc from, uh, from the 80s. <coughs> which is when Tim Drake was introduced. Um, and this has lots of kind of tie-ins to that event from a story beat as well. This whole thing is about Tim Drake um, escaping... Mr. Oz's clutches and being um, meeting up with a future version of himself that uh, tells him the only way to escape his own future is if uh, he kills Batwoman and so this saw an amazing team of all of the regular cast of Detective Comics um, teaming up with um, all of the Robins and Batman and himself Um, I've really really enjoyed this issue it's so good it's just baffling to me that like the action comics um, arc that we're about to talk about in a minute, which which had its kind of wrap up this week, um, that got like the full, um, what do you call it, kind of holographic cover, lenticular cover, lenticular cover celebration. Whereas this was a much more superior story in every every sense of the word mm-hmm. um, that incorporated so many more characters, and there was a real sense of grandness about it. I don't mm-hmm. understand why this didn't get the same treatment that action did. Mm-hmm. I agree. It's a weird one, huh? Yeah, really weird. And I think, like, this is, like, Detective... I mean, Batman and Detective have always kind of been in the top five of my... or top three, even, Batman DC books since the Rebirth happened. Um, And they're they're probably one and two for me at the moment. Agreed, I think. They're both so good for completely different reasons. Um, And I'm, I'm like, I'm dropping so many other DC books at the moment, but I I think these two I've always got time for. Kind of whenever, even if they they start a new arc, I'm like, I'm not sure about this. By the end of it, I'm always like, oh no, they're they're onto something great here. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Yeah, this has been a really fun arc. Um, I hope that it's you know it seems so much like they're bringing some of our pre favorite pre fifty two characters back. Like this this future version of Tim who knows Connor Kent, which is cool as hell. I hope they bring back my favorite Superboy. Um, it was confirmed today on the internet that they are. Cool. Oh, yeah. Francis Manipool or something? I don't know. Yeah. Cool as hell. I'm into it. Yeah. So we just talk about action comics now. Um, oh, if we because, have to. Because um, issue 991 uh, was the finale of The Oz Effect Part 5, um, written written by uh, J- Dan Jurgens, um, who are not only the story of this, but also the breakdown art um, with pencils by Victor Bogdanovich. Who's very um, Greg Capullo, ex- huh? Yeah, in this in this scenario, yeah, he, he certainly wasn't when he was on New Superman, mm. but he's becoming more and more so. Um, inks by Trevor Scott and Scott Hanna, and colors by Mike Spicer. Um, this issue kind of, you know, answered the question: Is Mister Oz Jor El once and for all? 
and he is and they wrapped up the story just like it just kind of just happened and it was just really really unsatisfying in yeah. every, every way for me it had no repercussions on anything superman kind of like killed his own dad a little bit by like snapping that staff that was stopping the kryptonite in his eye from like just ah who could even be bothered going into the details yeah i also it's so funny that yeah jor-el has a kryptonite eye now yeah <laughs> well not yeah who knows but i just this was just like so boring and and just setting up this eventual dr hatton reveal mm. dr manhattan um reveal dr. Hat. just dr hat he's finally come to town and nobody's head is safe mm. um yeah i just ugh, I'm, I'm i i think i might drop action comics now because i was so just bored by this yeah i might like <laughs> i'll see what the next arc is but um, yeah well, we're not far from issue a thousand mm. and it would kind of be fun to be reading that i'll see how i go i just like i, I just this is like the ultimate kind of just comics just doing bullshit that i kind of promised myself i would stop re- reading yeah just like setting up the next thing and not really giving you a satisfying conclusion to anything ever. Yeah, not bothering with the story that's happening now because they're thinking of two stories ahead. Yeah, totally. This felt like a zero issue, but really it's the fifth issue of a five issue. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, definitely, if, if, if it ever comes down to it, choose detective over action. Agreed. Um, another comic that I was really disappointed with is Wonder Woman, <laughs> issue number 34. So good. Um, written by James Robinson, um, with pencils by Sergio Davila, with um, inks by Scott Hanna, mm. who's very busy this week. Mick Gray and Ebia Ferreira, with um, colors by Romulo Fiato Jr. Um, this continues <coughs> the um, the plot that uh, that Wonder Woman has a brother. Yeah, the twin brother. J- Jason, named after Jason of the Argonauts. Um, and this just was just this dull kind of like catching them up story in which we finally learn out that Jason's evil everybody like he's a bad guy why could why imagine how much more impact that would have had if they had allowed him to be good for like one arc instead of half an issue like the big betrayals in comic history have been big deals because they were no one saw them coming if he's evil and wants to kill Wonder Woman, mm. or like use Wonder Woman for whatever bullshit um, the god, the new gods want her to be used for. Mm. Um, why did she wait? Why did he wait for Wonder Woman to track him down instead of just going after her to begin with? Yeah, there's a lot of issues with your plan here, Jason. He's had half a lifetime to track down his sister. What's the deal? He was waiting um, on I'm, I'm, Darkseid's boring daughter. So I'm, I'm dropping this now until. Uh, a new creative team takes over at whatever point that is. I think that's a good call. I would love yeah, it if gonna... Darkseid's daughter was not a sexy babe also. Mm-hmm. Like, if she was more of a grinding goodness type, I think that would be more interesting. Did you read any uh, regular continuity uh, DC books besides these ones? I did. I read um, New Superman. Yep, I've got that on my list to read after we record. Um... How was it? It's good. This is like Justice League versus the Justice League of China, which was pretty oh, fun. fun. And then written by Jean Luen Yang, yep. with pencils by Joe Lilich, with inks by Richard Friend, colors by Hi-Fi. And this continues on the story arc where um, New Superman, Kong Keenan's uh, sort of guy who's training him, has been kidnapped and maybe killed by like 
the yin yang version of himself. Yep. So the version that's all power, and he convinces Kong Keenan to steal something from Lex Luthor that may um, do something bad in the future. Anyway, it was a really good issue. <laughs> I did a terrible job of explaining it, but this is like the best Superman comic on the shelves at the moment. Yeah, which is insane because we loved Superman and uh, action comics mm. for so long, and now like I don't like reading either of them. Yeah, same. It's a disappointment. But check out New Superman. It, it, I like the sort of ongoing arc of a really headstrong young boy learning to deal with these really extreme powers. Um, and I think they've done a really great job of incorporating kind of Chinese mythology into the Superman mythos in a way that's really good fun yeah, and definitely. unexpected. Definitely. Um, is that it for all the regular continuity no, DC books? No, I also read uh, Back on the Birds of Prey, which I think I'm just going to give up on now, guys. This is a story also, arc. I almost read this issue. It's so compelling because of the cool Yannick Paquette cover, which has like every major <laughs> female DC character on it. But it's like all the men in Gotham are dying because of some misandrist um, group called the Daughters of Gotham who are just going to kill all the men and make everything better or something. And so it's got sure. this weird, like, misandry is going to set feminism back by decades <coughs> sort of tone to it, which is just, like, super unnecessary. And it doesn't make sense how it fits in with the rest of DC continuity, but they're committed to it fitting in, like, despite the fact that in no other book is everyone like, oh, I have a cold. Um, <laughs> but anyway, that's all fine. I also read Ragman. Does that count as main DC continuity? Uh, yeah, I, I looked at that and I was like, I don't want to nah, read that issue of this. I'm not going to. I read this issue. I don't really understand what's going on still. Sorry, Ray Fox. Yeah, he, he's a great writer, but I just I think the concept of a, it, um, someone, Rebecca from our group, described it as a, a boring version of Moon Knight. Yeah, that's very apt. Good job, Rebecca. Yeah. Um, so um, I've got a Wildstorm book to talk about, but before we finish talking about DC, um, should we talk about the big news? I don't know. What's the big news? That Brian Michael Bendis oh, yeah. uh, officially announced that he has signed an exclusivity deal. I don't know when it kicks in with uh, with DC Comics after spending like twenty years at Marvel. That is a kind huge of shaping surprise. Massive surprise, and uh, I don't know. Like this, this might fall in the category of rants. But like I'm just like looking at my list of, of books that I enjoyed this week, and kind of you look at the past episodes. Like I feel like Rebirth was really, really strong for DC, and um, you know it, it, we picked up almost every DC book and gave them at least you know two, three issues mm-hmm. for the most part. Um, some of them we stuck with for 24 issues, but I feel like both of us have been dropping off a lot lately. Like we pretty much every week we drop off one DC mm. book, and like I don't think that Bendis. I, 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 if, if, they, if they pick the right thing for him to move to, I think they could do some great stuff. Like, I, I would love to see a Brian Bendis, um, like, Suicide Squad book. Or if he was to bring back, like, oh, yeah. Gotham Central, I think maybe he could do a good job on that. Yeah. <coughs> um, but then there are so many characters that I... Like, I never want to read a Bendis Batman book. Yeah. I, saw, I heard someone... Uh, I can't remember who. Floated the idea of him doing a Renee Montoya question book. I don't think I want that. I don't think I need Renee Montoya just being Jessica Jones. Yeah, just like, yeah, Renee Montoya, all of her dialogue comes from her sitting on a toilet while drinking. (laughs) 
Bendis yeah. has done it again. <laughs> it's not Give exactly, him an Eisner. <laughs> it's not exactly like a fresh new voice for DC Comics. It's interesting because I've never seen a Bendis take on a DC character. But it's it's a massive get for them in one way, but I don't see what creatively he'll bring. Yeah, it's like when Jeff yeah. Johns did an Avengers book, and it was like pretty shocking. Was that the one with the weird um, um, Ant Man and Wasp sex? It scene? sure is <laughs> the most horrifying maybe, sex scene in all of comics. Look it up if you don't know what I'm talking about. Maybe Bendis is just going to one up that with like the most gross DC <laughs> sex scene ever. And then be like, gotcha, and then tap out. Something to do with the elongated man. <laughs> oh, boy. Goodness. Yeah, but, like, I just look at, like, my pile of Marvel books, and, like, yeah, there's definitely some books that, I, that I'm going to drop from Marvel this, this, this week. And it, it, there is something to be said that Marvel just puts out way more books than DC. Yeah. But I, they always have more of my favorite books week to week. And I know that, like, a lot of people look to this era of Marvel as, like, their worst and least successful yet. And I don't know, I don't really look at sales numbers and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, critically, from my point of view, like, I think Marvel are putting out way more better books than DC are at the moment. What do you think? I mean, probably in terms of sheer numbers, there's probably yeah. more. But I think percentage-wise, for me personally, DC still are just above Marvel. But it's pretty even. With what? What do we love from Marvel? Batman, Detective. From DC. Batman, Detective. From, sorry, from, um, from DC. Yeah. The Young Animals books are good. But where are they right now? They're on hiatus for who knows how long. Yes, true. Um, <laughs> and there's The Wild Storm stuff. stuff's really good. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I'm going to keep asking asking this question to us um, over the next few weeks. I mean, it, it's never about which one is better, but I just think when when the narrative is always like, "Oh, you know, Marvel is doing so much worse than DC now," I feel like I'm like I just I just don't I just don't see that at all. Yeah, 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 yeah. I suppose you're right. I suppose I think everyone's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> That's a better better argument. Do you want to have a moment off? Um, no, I think we're all good. Okay, cool. Um, so before we finish talking about DC, let's talk about Wildstorm. Um, this week we had a second issue of Michael Cray, which was written by Brian Hill with Warren Ellis, with art by N. Stephen Harris, um, Dexter Vines, and um, Diablo Kelly. <coughs> and um, it now looks like this this uh, is going to be an ongoing series in which Michael Cray from, from the Wildstorm universe um, goes up against a different, like, universe version of of like famous dc characters issue by issue and kills them i really like that as a concept i am i am all for <laughs> I am it so on board with this and it's really funny because like you know you could take it from a meta point of view where it's like um wild storm and dc didn't like when they merged it was so bad that mm. like in to prove that they're so different now they have they're just going to kill the regular dc universe <laughs> but i like this like horrifying slightly twisted version of these characters like this version of um green arrow who only hunts the deadliest prey man yeah is hilarious and great and i was so, really on board so with funny. that um and uh it looks like the next uh the next character that he's gonna go up against is the flash yep which is super exciting that's really funny also um, and I got to give a shout out to uh, to yeah, N. Stephen Harris and Dexter Vines. That like the art in this is and the colors by Diablo Kelly, like so good. Especially the so um, the fight between between Michael and Oliver. 
Um, mm-hmm. Those action scenes are, are fantastic. Yeah, um, absolutely. And, and I love that Michael's unsure of how his powers are caused and what, what brings them on. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a really fun dynamic. Yeah, I'm, I'm super on board with this series. I wonder if they're going to do Definitely. more Wildstorm books. Yeah, I don't know. Hopefully, like, they keep it manageable. Yes, keep it manageable. That's all we ask, guys. <laughs> so those are our DC books. Let's move on to Marvel now. And I want to talk about um, one of the most joyful issues that came out this week, and that is the Unbeatable Squirrel Girl, ah. issue 26, the special zine issue, um, written by Ryan North, um, and then a rotating um, lineup of, of kind of guest artists. Um, basically, this entire issue was um, in order to raise money to save a library, Squirrel Girl has gotten all of her friends... Um, from the Marvel Universe to write little mini-comics for her zine. Mm-hmm. And she's going to use it as a fundraiser to save the library. <coughs> so you have um, Howard the Duck sub- um, submits a comic, which is written by Erica Henderson with art by Chip Zdarsky. Mm-hmm. Um, you have like a, a Brain Drain comic, um, a Loki comic, which was brilliant. It's like this kind yep. of awesome like uh, snake eating its own tail mm-hmm. kind of comic. Um, you have a, a Craven comic, a Spider-Man comic. Wolverine wrote a comic. Um, there is a Tippy Toe, the Squirrel comic, a Galactus comic, which is hilariously drawn by Jim Davis, yes. the creator of, of, of Garfield. And uh, finally, a, a little kind of um, piece of art created by um, Nancy Whitehead. Um, this was so much fun. Such a delight. Such a fun little thing to read. I really enjoyed it. Did you have a favourite um, favorite little piece of art from within this zine? I mean, the Craven the Hunter comic was very funny. Yeah, definitely. As in Craven's kind of um, relationship with Spider-Man, but told by Craven the Hunter. So everyone's yep. um, super on board with Craven. <laughs> and then Spider-Man does like a kind of like like a diss back yeah. um, co- comic of his own, which is just crap. <laughs> yeah. It was really, really I funny. Like, I like the bit where they're like, Spider-Man... These are not spider sense lines. They're just stink lines. Nobody ever talks about how stinky he is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, what I love about this is like, you know, how creative Erica Henderson and Ryan North are with this book. You know, we've got that yes. incredible um, choose your own adventure issue mm-hmm. last year. And, um, and now we're getting like, you know, this zine issue and like they should be gimmicky, but they're really not. They're totally in tone with what, what the book is like normally. Yeah. Because they've created such a such a great narrative for and kind of personality for Squirrel Girl to have, um, and which her, she kind like, of doesn't. Well, and for for the associated Marvel universe through her, like yes, the way yes. Tony Stark is in her comics and the way Craven the Hunter is in her series is so different to the rest of the Marvel universe, and it's so consistently joyful and funny. Yeah. This is a great issue. If you haven't read an issue of Unbeatable Squirrel Girl and you want to understand why we keep going on about how much fun it is, this is a great one to just pick up and read. Agreed. Oh, and the next issue looks like it has Beta Ray Bill in it. I just noticed yeah, that totally, on the which is cover. Cool. Who's somebody that I always complain about not being in enough comics these yeah. days. And there he is. That's a cool issue. How exciting. I'm excited. So we got a few first issues of the new Legacy renumberings mm-hmm. uh, this week. Um, and one of those was Moon Knight, issue 188, with new creative team, Max Bemis um, and Jason Burrows, with colours by Matt Lopez. Um, Who is Max, Max Bemis? Bemis? He is a um, he's a singer in a band ah. 
called Say Anything. Okay. And he wrote um, the worst X-Men ever. X-Men ever. Did you uh, read that miniseries? Yeah, I liked that. Me too. Enjoyed and he also lot. he's also he also wrote this book that just um, has one more issue left. It's a Through Dynamite, their Atari imprint centipede. Yep. Which I'll be reviewing later in the episode. But he's a promising comic book writer for sure. Mm. And um, I thought this was such a strong issue. Holy moly! What a what a what a killer first issue in a run. Incredible um, art, incredible concept. Like, yeah, loved it. Loved everything and, about this. And such a a ballsy move to write a first issue of Moon Knight that doesn't have Moon Knight in it. Absolutely, and to have like, it from everyone's point of view. Like, yeah, ballsy. Absolutely. Um. Yeah, I, I, I can't really fault this issue. The colouring is yeah. incredible. It looks beautiful. The concept is so fun. I'm so excited to see this new villain, Amun-Ra, and see how he interacts with Moon Knight. It's such a departure from the um, Jeff Lemire run, but still really fits in with Moon Knight as a concept. And like, Yeah, definitely. This is such a... like. This issue is great on its own this is i'm excited to see where it leads but if this was a one shot this would be just as compelling which is like the ultimate test for me yeah definitely um so what it is basically it's it's almost like a setup an entire issue of setup for i guess the next villain that moon knight will go up against in this arc um and he is somebody who um is ex-army and um after being bullied by um all of his fellow soldiers for too many times he ends up um Burning them on all. fire. And uh, so he's in the Ravencroft Asylum, um, talking with his doctor. And the doctor has been... She's been obsessed with Moon Knight in the past. Mark Spector always talks about how, like, you know... There, there, there are, there's similarities between her new patient and Mark Spector that she sees. And um, decides to use the um, ancient Egyptian relics and gods that Mark Spector kind of... Uh, sees and uses with his own um, mental afflictions he, she decides to use them as part of the healing process for her, for her patient and maybe that wasn't the best idea <laughs> no a bad call it turns out it was such an incredible issue um, like you said like a, a brilliant one shot I, I think easily the best of these new legacy number ones mm. um, and a really exciting like holy shit where did these guys come from totally first issue um, from both Max Bemis and Jason Burrows, whose name is familiar, but like I've, I can't tell you anything he's ever worked on in the past from memory. Yeah, same. And his art was out—it was outstanding. Yeah, like really, really beautiful and like gory and horrifying. Like the the panel when you realise that this guy, you know, because it seemed so hopeful that he was going to get better, and then once you realise that he is not better. He is worse, if anything. Those panels are, like, horrific. Like, yep. killer issue. So good. Yeah. <clears throat> and not only did he create, like, a, a new villain with so much depth, but the mm. Doctor, yeah. who I hope we'd see again somehow, like, is one of the most well-rounded characters that I've been introduced to through comics in a long time. Absolutely. Just through, like, you know, small, subtle moments, like her not being present at a dinner party with friends or the fact that she keeps a sort of shrine to Moon Knight in her bedroom and how clever she is and ah yeah I flip and love this incredible yep <clears throat> this is great this is like gotta be on it one of my favourite issues of the week um, yeah. and, and certainly something that I would recommend to everyone listening right now even if you have not um, had time 
uh, to, to, to indulge in a Moon Knight comic in the past, definitely pick up Moon Knight number 188. Uh, the arc is called Crazy Runs in the Family, and uh, I'm very excited to read the next issue. Same. If you like horror comics, definitely check this out. Yeah, brilliant cover too. Yep. Agreed. Um, looking forward to hearing what our friends over at the Into the Night podcast say about this issue. Mm. It must be very exciting to run a extremely specific um, <laughs> podcast about a smaller character at a time when, like, you know, one of the best superhero comics of the mm. week is about that character. Yeah. How, how cool. Go, go check out that podcast, by the way. Um, uh, started by two, two people that met through our podcast. It's called Into the Night. And obviously, Night is, is, is spelt K-N-I-G-H-T. Go check it out. Um, another legacy uh, renumbered book was issue number 595 of Daredevil this week, which I assume you didn't read. I did read it. Whoa. Oh, great. That's amazing. Well done. Thank you. Um, Mayor Fisk is the, uh, the name of this arc. It's written by Charles Soule um, with art by Stefano Landini, colors by Matt Miller. Um, and uh, basically, yeah, as, the, uh, as the arc title uh, suggests, uh, Wilson Fisk, a.k.a. the Kingpin, is the mayor now. And um, we've said so many times in the past how, like, you know, we loved Charles Soule's take on She-Hulk because of how much, like, real-world legal stuff he was able to put mm. in amongst the run because of um, uh, Jen Walters' profession mm-hmm. as a um, solicitor. Solicitor? Is she a solicitor? I don't know. She's a lawyer. I don't know, whatever. But, um, uh, you know, Matt Murdock is also a lawyer, and we would tap in, tap out of this... Um, of this run since he started however many issues ago um, and it wasn't as lawyer heavy as I, as I was hoping for mm. until more recent issues there was a big thing all about um, uh, Matt Murdock in the Supreme Court um, a couple of issues ago but this issue was so great in that like it kind of explains how Wilson Fisk like he's just the man now and, and everyone in the ca- every, all these characters have to deal with it I feel like a lesser comic would have built up this like This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 
you know, Wilson Fisk is running for mayor, but instead it's just like it's like this shock that comes to Daredevil and he can't do anything about it as Daredevil and he tries to do something about it as Matt Murdock and he can't do that either. And so Charles Soule was able to explain all that through like, you know, legal terms. And I really enjoyed this issue. I'll be sticking with this for sure. See, I really didn't enjoy this. (laughs) I think that the, like... Again, I think that the sort of... Trying to comment on American politics I found boring. I find them trying to fit in aesthetically too close to the Netflix series also very boring. I find this version of the Kingpin okay, but he looks too much like the the Netflix version, and that's just a personal annoyance for me. And Matt Murdock is one of the least appealing, like, most boring characters in comics, so I just can't. <laughs> I cannot be arsed with this. Yeah, okay. All right, well, I really enjoyed it. And I liked that it also um, uh, gave a shout-out to the Kingpin series that um, Matt Rosenberg wrote with the book. Oh, yeah. Because his book played a large role in him, his rise to power um, to become the mayor. That was better. Reason. I didn't. I thought like there was there, like I thought of all of the kind of parallels to draw to current American po- um, po- um, politics. Mm. I didn't think this was as on the nose as any of the other things that we've seen. No, it's not as on. It's no. It's no Ronald Rump. But <laughs> um, I still was just like, no, shut up. Shut it's up, no Margaret Ratcher. Yes, yeah, no Margaret Ratcher. <laughs> Rilson Risk. <laughs> Um, have you got any other legacy little restarts coming on? Um, a little check through here. Uh, did you read um, uh, Master of Kung Fu, issue 126? I sure did. Shang-Chi's Day Off, um, written by uh, re- the wrestler himself, um, CM Punk, with art by Dalabor Talajic and colours by Eric Arseniega. Um I am yet to be convinced uh, that CM Punk can write comics. I thought this was pretty funny. Like, it read like a goofy kind of 80s action movie. I think if you come into this with like a um, Big Trouble in Little China kind of sensibility, you could enjoy it. But it was very silly. And it was like so much dialogue all the time. And I I personally didn't feel like the jokes landed. The art was fine. Yeah. Look, I, it, was, it was nothing above okay, but I didn't, yeah. I didn't dislike this at all. Um, so basically, Shang-Chi... Um, has a pet monkey that he rescued and um, he and the monkey accidentally infiltrate a doctor's lab in which he's doing experiments on um, on different animals that he's stealing from the zoo and the neighbourhood with ninjas um, and Shang-Chi rescues a ninja octopus. <laughs> it sounds great when I, when I, when I describe it. But See, I right, hated it. Was... it. <laughs> I just hated that whole thing. I hated that the doctor was called Mel Prasis as if we're supposed to, like... That doesn't sound that much like malpractice. Give him a name that sounds yeah. more like malpractice. Call him malpractice. Like Malcolm practice. Yes. <laughs> there you go. I don't yeah. think Sam Punk is a very good comic book writer. I'll fight him. Yeah, yeah um, he'll kill you. He absolutely will kill me. But he came into Kings once, and he was a very scary man. He was very nice really? to the people who recognized him. He was less like nice for a to signing or just to buy comics. Him. Just to buy comics. He was just in town. That's awesome. Came into How could you not like him? Uh, I, I, I just didn't know who he was. I don't know wrestling. No, I said, how could you not like him now? Oh. I, I, would, I would just... Oh, I, if a I large just like wrestler came to my King's shop. customers. <laughs> I'm joking. I love them all. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> what's, his, what's his king's uh, member number? <laughs> six, six, six. Did you sign him up? No. <laughs> um, so let's talk about some X-Books. X-Men Gold, issue number 15 by Mark Guggenheim. 
um, and Diego Bernard and JP Mayer and Ray Barreto. Um, why is this stupid Mojoverse crossover thing still going? I'm so bored of it. It's so tiresome. And it's so funny because, like, the gold issues are so trash and the blue issues are, like, okay. Like, I don't mind yeah. every second issue of this arc. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, this issue yeah, is I- exceptionally bad there's one more there's one more issue of of the mojo world thing which is x-men blue i feel like skipping it because i just don't care how you resolve a mojo story yeah it doesn't matter mojo should just be he works as like a cameo of like you know like suddenly you're in mojo verse you're in a television show for like 10 panels and then that's it yeah but like six issues too much too much Mojo. it's stupid no good um uh, where else? There are some X-Men in the Uncanny Avengers team. Mm. And I read Uncanny Avengers number 29. So did I. Written by Jim Zub with um, art by Sean Isaacs and Wayne Ramirez. Colors by Tamara Bonvian. And you can absolutely tell because it's the pinkest issue of um, Uncanny Avengers <laughs> I've read in a while. Um, I love her colors so much. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I enjoyed this um, a lot. And this was a, was a really silly and fun issue. Um, in which um, Dr. Voodoo ac- accidentally transports Juggernaut into the same vicinity as the Uncanny Avengers, <coughs> which I thought was really funny. Yeah, same. And I love the Juggernaut. More Juggernaut. He is great. Um, and uh, it also dealt with like Quicksilver, like kind of growing up and stop being a dick, Quicksilver. Yeah. You dick. Um, and uh, poor old um, Synapse gets, gets hurt in the, uh, in the battle as well. Um, this is the kind of Avengers book that I like reading a lot more than like your champions or your regular Avengers book. Like it's about the drama mm-hmm. of like the relationships within the team and they also just face off like big threats and one of them gets injured, but you know, they save the day. Super fun. I, like, you, we've read hundreds of issues just like this, but I really enjoy reading them again and again. Yeah, absolutely. This is definitely the best Avengers book on the stands at the moment. I need to cough my lungs up for a bit so you can choose the next next book we read. Excellent. Um, well, I also read... Did you read Generation X? Nope. I did. Written Perfect. by Christina Strain with art by Amel Carpina. Colors by Philippe Sobrero. Um, so this is the kind of, like, useless X-Men team of, like, Nature Girl and Eyeboy and all these characters who can't aren't really good enough to be main X-Men, but they're still there and they're still going to the school. Um, and this had a whole story about... Because do you remember how in... Um, was it Thor? We saw Quentin Quire just hanging out on Krakoa in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In this issue, Krakoa comes back to the school because he's like, Quentin, you said you were coming straight back <laughs> and you just left me there. <laughs> and so Krakoa tunnels this huge tunnel all the way under new york to go to the school which is now in the middle of central park um and slightly <laughs> fucks things up and everyone's like quentin and that's about it that was a good issue i liked it i like this that i like the series i think that it's like um a really good fun x-men book like this is my favorite of the x books so yeah and in, in a similar reason that uncanny avengers is our favorite avengers book yeah. it's like more about the the interplay between the, the different characters and the drama. Yeah, it's mostly it about, like it's mostly romance and small threats. scale things. Yes, small scale threats. Comment. That's what I want. Um, let's talk about Runaways issue three. Yay! By Rainbow Rowell, Chris Anker, and Matthew Wilson. Um, in this issue, we see 
the uh, Runaways team of Gert um, and Nico and Chase um, go to find uh, Carolina, who was... What does she have, like, weird, like, light-based powers? Yeah, isn't she, like, an alien or something? And she has to put on a bracelet to hide her alien rainbow flying powers. That's right, yeah. Um, and so Carolina's still on Earth. She is... Um, she's studying. She's gone to university. And she, yeah, and she's, like, seeing a therapist. She's really happy with herself. And she's, like, you know, forgiving herself from her, her parents and... Um, what sh- what she did is the runaways. Oh my god! I said the worst leg cramp. <laughs> I, like, I don't know what how. <laughs> my leg is like attacking me. <laughs> I'm leaving this in, by the way. <laughs> runaways number three was so good it gave me a leg cramp, and I'm currently writhing on the ground trying to stretch it out. Fuck! Oh my god! <laughs> I'm so glad this isn't a video podcast. <laughs> oh my god! It is. Wow, it that is was that fucked. good of an issue, though, guys. It will cause um, you physical yeah, in- pain because Chris Anker's <laughs> art is so beautiful and the colours are so lovely. And that <sighs> final page where you see Victor's head, which we assume in the last issue we saw, you know, Victor, who's like the half-son of Ultron or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and he died in... When did he die? Oh, he died in... Um, the Vision. The Vision, exactly. Tom King's. Tom series. King's Vision. And so the Runaways are gifted his head in a box... But he's just—he might just be powered down, guys. He might not actually be dead because can robots actually die? And um, yeah, not. you see this excellent panel where like his his head is like sideways on the dashboard, and then you you have to turn the page to so, so you can see from the angle that he's seeing it at to read the panels, and you see what he sees. I think that I thought that was that was really well done. But I like I like so much what they're kind of addressing in this Runaways book. Like I like the fact that they're like. Gert's still 16 and everyone else is older and so she's like I can't date you anymore Chase you're like way older than me and it's creepy and weird and she's still stuck in this like oh I don't have anywhere else to go but the world has moved on yeah um I I wonder if they're actually going to be a team again at some point I don't know I love what they're doing with this yeah I I think it's great I hope this is selling okay so we continue to get like a and a lengthy run out of this. I hope really, so. Really if you good. like YA stuff generally, I think that this would really appeal to you. Um, yeah. If you like teen superheroes, I think this would appeal to you. If you like it's so good. pretty art, I think this would appeal to you. God, the Check art it out, is guys. Wonderful. Give it a shot. Especially the, the, the redesign of Carolina um, is, is awesome. I love her hair. Chris Anker is so good. Chris Anker is so good, and he's so good at like understanding what young people actually wear now and so yeah. it doesn't look like really cringy and weird totally, totally. looks great and I, I love that every everyone's bodies are shaped so differently too yes it's great absolutely um yeah runaways one of my favorites of the week too um i read a bunch of marvel books that i don't know if you read did you read any more yeah i read five more wow go through them let's start jessica jones issue 14 return read of the purple man Bendis, Gatos, Hollingsworth, together again. Um, this is the Purple Man um, who has infiltrated Jessica Jones's life again and is talking to her through her daughter. Creepy. I thought that, yeah, I thought it was creepy and kind of crass, and I didn't like it. Yeah, it's a pretty like. I mean, maybe maybe we're just sensitive because of our as a mother, which is how I like to start <laughs> all sentences now. It made me extremely uncomfortable. 
Um, but maybe that's it's doing its job. You know, like I, I didn't hate this issue, but it is a bit of a kind of cheap, immediate emotional response. Fucking with a baby. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I didn't like it. Mm. Didn't like it one bit, Siobhan. Yeah. He's a really um, uncomfortable making villain because of his creepy sex pervert status. Yeah, and especially after the way they appreciate him in the Netflix series as well. Mm. Did you watch that? No. I got through oh, half an episode. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't think they've ever explicitly said that he... I don't think he's... Yeah, he, he never raped Jessica in in the comics, but he... He, they, they said as much in the in the TV show. Yeah, and you know, even just having him there in this, I don't know. If it just feels weird with the, especially with the daughter involved. I don't know. Yeah, I thought it was a bit gross. It's a little bit. It it makes you uncomfortable for sure. Yeah. Um, what else did you read from Marvel? I read Royals issue ten. Yep. Last well, so you came back on board. Yeah, because what a great cover, and also yep, what great art from. Um, our boy Rodriguez. Javier Rodriguez. Javier, Javier Rodriguez. Yep. Incredible colors from Jordi Belair. I think that, like, the first thing um, that I said, because uh, Nate was looking through it at home, and I was like, ooh, great colors. And he was like, it's your favorite, Jordi Belair. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, this is a great looking book, and I, you know, I haven't been keeping up with this series, but I understood what was going on in this issue, and I enjoyed it, and it looks great. Well, it's just a bunch of cosmic bullshit. Yeah. And you just... Al, Al Ewing just takes you for a ride with an incredible art team on board. And it's uh, it's impossible not to be swept away by it. Yeah, I love Javier Rodriguez. I feel like he goes in a really unexpected direction for drawing, um, like, big robots. They yeah, just have totally. big hands. Big, chunky, yeah. like, four-fingered hands. And they look great. I love it. It's so, so awesome. And always disembodied heads. Mm-hmm. And one guy has a head, like, like peering out of his head like a chest... Alien. Yes, but it also kind of looks like a willy. Because that's kind of <laughs> yeah, what Chester He's so good. Are. They never keep him on the same book for for the entire run, though. Except for that um, Doctor Strange Sorceress. No, Strange. no, he, he he didn't finish that off. Oh, yeah, true. True. Yeah. But he's so In good. Fact, he's I think so it was creative. Alvaro... Yeah, he's incredible. He's so good. Great page layouts. Um, I read Venom 157 this week. I didn't um, read that. Because it... Did you see the cover? Yeah, I did. Craven, but I still was like Craven nah. the Hunter. Yeah, it's a, you, you made the right call. Yay. Um, this book is. It's good to see Craven trying to fight Venom, but overall the story is still pretty weird and dull with like his dumb dinosaurs that live in the sewers. I don't know. Whatever. I gotta drop Venom. <laughs> that sounds really exciting. I feel like it's a it's a skill if you've managed to make dumb dinosaurs who live in the sewers boring. Well, he did it. He done did it. You did it, guys. Um. The Despicable Deadpool this week was an excellent issue. One hundred, uh, sorry, two hundred and eighty-nine, written by Jerry Duggan, Duggan, with art by Scott Coblish, with colors by Nick Filardi. Um, this was a brilliant, like insane time travel, where you have um, uh, Cable and Strife, both of whom are characters that can alter the time stream. So they're all fighting, and every time the other side thinks they're winning the battle, they bring in another thing through, through a time portal. So at one point, like they're about Deadpool and Cable are about to win, and then suddenly dinosaurs appear out of nowhere, and then they kill all the dinosaurs. But then vampires come and resurrect all the dinosaurs, so it's vampire dinosaurs. <laughs> That's pretty funny. And then a, and then a nuclear bomb goes off, and they are like um, radioactive vampire dinosaurs. <laughs> <coughs> it was really, really silly and fun, 
and uh, very well drawn action. Um, and just you know, it's just a, it's a fun and, and and good Deadpool action book. Nice. You know what I yeah. did read? I read, read Spider Man versus Deadpool. Oh wow! Because um, our boy Chris Pacello is oh, Bicello on drew interiors. This. Oh, cool. Yeah, so I Who wrote it? really enjoyed this. And it's funny how they've managed to make... Um, so this is written by Robbie Thompson, pencils by Chris Pacello, oh, cool. inks by Tim Townsend, Albe, and Richard Friend, colors by Chris Pacello. Um, oh, that is a great, great creative team. Totally. And Robbie Thompson has done a really great job of having this fit in in current continuity, but have it still be, like, fun and separated from that. So we've got the Peter Parker who's living on Mockingbird's couch, not having a job, and him trying to track yep. down Deadpool because Deadpool killed Phil Coulson, and so he's a bad guy now. So Spider-Man's like, I'm going to take you in and redeem myself. Um, but Deadpool is annoying and confusing and just shows him around his house when he's got all these big sharks and new sidekicks and he's selling um shield weapons to the highest bidder um but it's really good fun (laughs) robbie thompson has a really good voice for deadpool makes him genuinely funny not just irritating um the the page with um what what do you call where it's like where the names of the people who did the comic are that page like the credits yeah credits? like the credits page is like just a, a panel and deadpool just says who's involved in it i thought that was a pretty funny oh, like, wow. clever little deadpooly meta touch that i enjoyed a lot yeah cool um oh, i'll definitely try and pick that one up yeah it's a good issue solid issue what number is it again it is the spider-man versus deadpool issue 23 arms race part one 23 good fun okay thank you thank you very much thank you very much for reading a deadpool book. yeah i know <laughs> who saw that coming not me um, so I read the finale, I think it's the finale, of Zombies Assemble. Oh, yeah. Number two, um, this, which is the manga um, uh, that was about, like, kind of like the, the, the Marvel Avengers, so, that, like, the, uh, the movie version of the Avengers going up against, like, a bunch of zombies mm-hmm. and a weird virus that made them all become zombies. Um, and it was written by Kamiyama and drawn by Kamiyami with uh, translations by Jim Zub. And I, we we were both enamored with this when it started. We thought it was so cool, but it ends really, really stupidly. And I was just kind of like, "Why did I read this?" <laughs> but I stuck it out, and I finished something that I started, and that's what's important. Good job. Hey, I have a Marvel Cinematic <laughs> Universe question for you, but it might be considered okay. a spoiler. What is it from the from the post credit scene with in Thor? What was that? Okay, you know what? Save it. Okay. We'll do a post-credit scene of this episode. Great. In which we can discuss it without spoiling. Cool. I love it. Excellent. I'm into it. W- watch us forget. <laughs> <laughs> um, Star Wars issue number 38 saw the creative team of Kieran Gillen um, take over, well, the new writer of Kieran Gillen take over with um, uh, ongoing artists Salvador La Roca and Guru EFX. Um, he's actually continuing immediately after where Jason Aaron's run finishes pretty much. Okay. <coughs> but references a lot of Rogue One stuff um, in this is- issue, and uh, I uh, I made my way through the issue. I, I like you know I've said many times I don't like Salvador Larocca's um, extremely photo referencey kind of art mm-hmm. when he does his renditions of all the different um, actors from Star Wars. Uh, but I also just didn't really gel with the writing on this issue either. So I think I'm going to finally give up the Star Wars comic. It's a great call. I'm out. I support that. Um, it's been mostly pretty good. 
but uh, I, I just don't. I don't want to complain about Star Wars every week, especially in the lead up to the new movie coming out. Mm. So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going I'm to drop this one. Good call. Um, did you read any more Marvel books? I did. I read two more. I read Spirits of Vengeance issue two. Oh yeah, which I didn't like the first issue of this. Nah, look, you can't have Blade on the cover of two issues and then give me like one panel of Blade per issue and have me still be on board. Not sold, Jesus. guys. Give me more Blade or go home. That doesn't make sense. But, um, yeah, I won't be reading any more of this, I don't think. I also read issue two of Falcon. Did you read this? No, because I didn't like the first issue of this very much either. Yeah. I'm, How was the second? Uh, I'm so torn. I feel like... So this is written by Rodney Barnes with art by Joshua Cassara and colours by Rochelle Rosenberg. And this is a sort of... I feel like in ten issues, Rodney Barnes is going to be a really great comic book writer yeah but at this point this is is his first comic after writing a lot of movie scripts and stuff like that right okay yeah it reads like that and there's a there's a sort of sameness to a lot of these characters which is sort of frustrating like a kind of snappy bantery element um and it's kind of funny because like panel to panel i would find it charming and then irritating and, like, sometimes it really nailed it and really hit and it really suited the character. And then sometimes it was like, why is Dr. Voodoo talking about Beyonce? This doesn't make any sense. <sighs> I think I have a problem. Like, is this now a thing? Like, is Beyonce just canon in the Marvel universe? Like, why not come I think up re- with reference your own? to pop music always are. Come up with your own. What is Rihanna? Come up with your Rihanna. own. Rihanna. <laughs> yeah, like, you have your own pop stars. Use Dazzler for crying out yeah, loud. Oh, yeah, sure. And there was a dazzler. There was a dazzler poster on um, Carolina's wall in um, in Runaways. Oh yeah, this week. see that that I enjoy. Reference your own pop culture, not ours. It's the six one six. Or reference Rihanna. Or reference Rihanna. If you're going to reference anyone, make it Rihanna or don't. <laughs> um, um, so so Rodney like- Barnes was uh, was the writer of um, um, was a writer on Chris Rock's show. Everybody hates Chris. He was a writer okay. on the Boondocks, which is right, a, okay. and, and he. He wrote the um, Birth of a Patriot um, short story in the Secret Empire, Brave New World spinoff that we read earlier in the year. Okay. And he has a new image book coming out called Killadelphia. Okay. Uh, maybe, maybe, maybe him doing his own thing will be him growing into himself as a comic book writer. That would be cool. But there's, like, there's some bits where it's really funny where like he's kind of got Falcon as a slightly upright, slightly boring dude and he's got this really like fast-talking young sidekick. And there's a bit where Falcon goes, he can kiss my ass. And uh, Patriot says, oh, snap. Ass is like the first cuss word I've heard you say. Crap and Mickey Ficky don't, can't, don't count. And the Falcon says, <laughs> ass isn't a cuss word. It's a part of the body. <laughs> I thought that was funny. That's I thought good. that really, like, it was a cute little interaction. And it really, um, really nailed that bit. But there, there's other bits where I'm not into it. Anyway, I don't remember Sam Wilson being like a super uptight dude though. Is that the, is that a thing? I don't, I don't think it is. I think it's like he's he's not had a really consistent sort of character, um, and so you kind yeah. of can change him around. But I think that it's it's a little, it's not quite perfect in this book. But I'm um, I like I like Rodney Barnes, and I, I I'll check back in and maybe a couple of issues and see how how it's coming along. Cool. Hmm. So those are all our Marvel books reviewed for the week. Um, we move on to Image, um, and we're going to start with a review of... Oh, boy. What's the pick from? I only had three. Uh, do, 
what have you what have you got slots royal city and redlands sure thing yes let's talk about let's talk about slots first um this is uh written and drawn by dan panosian um and we really enjoyed the first issue of this it was about like a um you know like a an ex-con kind of figure coming back to las vegas mm-hmm. and reuniting with a bunch of old people from his past that he may have uh, left on a bad note with um including and, his son uh, and various yep. ex-wives and so he's kind of he wants to start boxing again um to to pay off some debts um and this issue kind of just for kind of introduced us to more people in the town and we kind of learned more about them and i just all the magic that was in the first issue i feel like wasn't in this issue for me at all yeah there was a lot more like kind of exposition in this issue there was a lot of like telling us about what had happened in the past while also stuff is going on now and it didn't quite flow as like beautifully as that first issue um i still think that there's a lot to enjoy but there were a lot of new characters in this issue that made it hard to kind of keep track of and see what was going on but i love i I really do love the world that he's created and i'm i'm invested in some of these characters already so you know i'm on board a big fan of his art too yeah yeah, i'll I'll, I'll stick around but yeah i just uh, i do want to say that this was disappointing after how much i loved the first issue yeah it's not it's not as good as the first issue but it's still pretty good um, Redlands this week, issue number four, written by Geordie Belair with um, art by Vanessa Del Rey and Clayton Cowles. Um, I love this book. Letters. This was such a good issue too. Yeah, this is, uh, this is the uh, the horror book about a bunch of witches. Who are um, also cops, but they are not. Yep. They are sort of corrupt cops and they pretty much just use the law to cover up their witchiness. Cool. And... Uh, this like yeah this did some massive uh, amount of world building like kind of finding out more about each of the different witches the sisters mm-hmm. there were sisters no they're just like they're just witches they're witch sisters yeah sisters in sisters witchiness. through witchery yeah um and uh we learned that one of them has like a a daughter who used to be a spider cool which i thought was really cool yeah um and yeah we like something really really strange happens to one of them mm-hmm. um, after being attacked in the last issue and I wasn't quite sure what to make of that. Like, has she been bonked on the head and doesn't remember her witch side of her life? She remembers her past life or something? I think she's probably or... been possessed by an evil ghosty. Yeah. Or not even an evil ghosty, just a ghosty. Something, someone that the witch killed. Yeah. And yeah. man, the back matter of this book is so funny. <laughs> totally. It's just like um, so, so many ads for various um, like strippers or sex workers but like like four pages <laughs> I really thought it was funny <laughs> I really enjoyed it and they have such funny names like the dick destroyer Tina the titty thrasher Natasha pretty prompt and professional and she loves cock <laughs> get ready for your main course tasty Tiffany <laughs> DJ sexy Lexi sexy Lexi loves to get the party started Crystal, 19 years old, 122 pounds, <laughs> hobbies, long walks on the beach, reading, and anal. <laughs> <laughs> like, I want to have a drink with Geordie Belair. She seems like an yeah. absolute delight. Sunshine, and then she a- wants you to stick it where the sun don't shine. I could just read these all out. They make me laugh a lot. Yeah, we should. Much much better than the rest of the episodes. So yeah. Far. Um, <laughs> and then the final one is like DJ Sexy Lexi, yep. who's a DJ and a stripper. Great. <laughs> Perfect. Look, that's the final string to your bow, right? 
DJ, yeah. chef. So my, my final form. <laughs> Podcaster, D- stripper. Dad, stripper. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, this is, a, this is an awesome series, like, um, uh, and it's good to have that really light-hearted back matter after such a um, heavy, heavy main issue. Mm. According to um, a mutual friend of ours, DJ Leon Smith, there is a stripper at a strip club in Sydney who looks exactly like me. Really? Yeah. Cool, huh? I'm trying to convince everyone yeah, should... that it is me, and that after everyone goes to sleep, I just like run into the city. Get her to record an episode of Serious Issues with, with, with me. <laughs> Get and her see if I notice. Leon to do one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's amazing. That's a great idea. <laughs> Let's do it. Um, Royal City, issue number seven this week um, with a fantastic Weezer, Weezer variant. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, this is all set in the 90s, so Jeff Lemire has commissioned all these different um, tributes to his favorite albums from the 90s for each of the, uh, the variants for the, for the issues. Um, and uh, this issue um, was really depressing. A nice change of pace from all the other issues of Royal City so far. <laughs> Which have been just sunshine and lollipops. Um, yeah, so this, this arc is showing us the last week of Tommy's life. Um, yeah. And it's so sad. Just all the way through, it's just sad stuff happening to people that you like. Like his dad, I love his dad. And his dad seems so sad. Yeah, I, I what I love is like there is this like strange kind of sci-fi element where Tommy is able to communicate via the radio waves, mm-hmm. and can, we kind of see a small explanation of that that it happens while he's um, getting a uh, QT scan, like a MRI. What is it a radio MRI? Yeah, well, is QT different? It's a different kind of scan. I, don't know what that I had is. a lot of scans this year, everybody. I, they're all mixed up, <laughs> but I'm fine, and that's the main thing. Um, and I love that this is like where we see that w- where the father's obsession with buying old radios comes mm-hmm. from as well um, yeah just a, it like was this, fun. this series it was, continues to be excellent but it was nice seeing um, an issue that only um, featured the two parents and Tommy mm-hmm. instead of all of the family it felt like a much kind of like you know it was good having a smaller kind of scale focus mm-hmm. um, yeah it's a brilliant sad series um, featuring Jeff Lemire doing some of the best art I've ever seen absolutely from him beautiful colours yeah. just so good just so lovely Lovely series. What cover did you get? I got the Weezer cover. cover up to the Yay. Con- yeah, the Weezer cover. Cool. All right, cool. Weezer. What's your favorite Weezer song? Um, uh, like it's. I can only think of "In the Garage" right now, which is definitely not my favorite yep. Weezer song. But it is like a nerd. It's anthem, one of them. Surely. Uh, well, everything off the Blue album is like a, is a, is one that could potentially be number one for me. Like yeah. It just depends what what mood I'm in. I I, I, I I that's the only album that I know every word to back to front. Did you go to the Blue album tour that they did? Uh, no, I, I can't. I, I have a problem with. I, I can't watch bands anymore. Oh really? <laughs> I, like half well, the King staff all went together. It was pretty cute. That's so brilliant. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. I always get really really excited about doing something nostalgic that I and I drink too much and then I don't remember. Nice. The things I saw Jebediah do, like they, they did their first album. It's like an Australian kind of indie band that I was obsessed with in the um, in the, in the late nineties, mm-hmm. and they, they they performed their album from start their first album from start to finish, and I only remember the last. <laughs> <laughs> it's no good. Yeah, so it's on me. It's not it's not Weezer's fault that I didn't see him. It's all my fault. Um, Royal City's great though. It is so good. And Blue albums. Yes. Blue albums are better. Pinkerton is a, is a close second. Absolutely. Everything but, else I wouldn't but, bother with. I like Hash Pipe on the Green Album. That's a good single. Oh, yeah? And the, sm- the sumo wrestlers in the film clip. Yeah, cool. I love sumo wrestlers. 
Um, so uh, I got uh, two more image books that Siobhan didn't read this week, um, and they are Injection and Rock Candy Mountain. Rock Candy Mountain is a book uh, written and drawn by Kyle Starks with colors by Chris Schweizer. Um, and it's a book that I almost dropped um, last issue. Um, it's about hobos mm-hmm. and the devil. Um, and it's like, it's, it's mostly comedic, um, but sometimes the jokes don't entirely land and, it, and it's very wordy at times. So I was like, always kind of leaving it to the last of the pile. And I did that this week. I was, I was like, one more chance. Fuck, this is a brilliant issue. Oh, really? Like one of my favorite issues of the week. Um, basically, it tells the story of why the main character, the main hobo, has his... He has, he has like, the super, his superpower is that he can't... Um, he, he, he can beat anybody in a fight. Mm-hmm. He makes a deal with the devil, so he can never lose a fight. And we see the, the scenario that, that, that allows that to, take, to come about. He basically gets drafted in 1945 to go join the, uh, the troops in Germany and makes a deal with the devil... That um, that he won't die. But basically, he makes a deal with the devil to, so that he'll never lose a fight, and basically, he's responsible for the death of Hitler. Oh, great! <laughs> um, but it was a, a really, really good issue that it kind of explained his his whole backstory. And I'm so glad I didn't drop this 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 book. It's really, really great. And I imagine this will be like the last issue of the first trade. Mm-hmm. So definitely check out Rock Candy Mountain by Kyle, Kyle Starks. Um, finally, I read Injection. Uh, written by Warren Ellis with art by Declan Shalvey and Jordi Belair. Uh, this is the end of uh, this current arc, and the, we get the message that Injection will return in 2018. Um, but this is like a um, amazing kind of uh, like secret site, secret like uh, supernatural um, investigations group mm-hmm. um, kind of uh, story, and uh, this one turns into a full horror comic um, with this issue, like a truly hor- horrifying thing is released from the ground that just completely destroys so many people and we see our kind of like our our two main characters from this arc narrowly escape with their lives and then just move immediately onto another new threat Hmm. (laughs) um yeah it's this is officially reached the point where it's impossible to kind of describe what's happening in this issue without giving too much away but um now is the perfect time for you to catch up shawan oh yeah read one of the best looking books on the stand it does injection it's very good (coughs) <coughs> okay, so those are all the image re- reviews. Nice. Meaning we've only got one thing left to do before I can collapse in a pile and die. Um, <laughs> and that is review all of the other publishers um, and the books that they released this week. Um, how many have you got in front of you, Siobhan? One, two, I got four. three, four, five, six. Six. <coughs> oh, my God. All right, pick, one, pick, a, pick, pick a book. Pick any book, Siobhan. <laughs> Sherlock, The Great Game. Still just a Sherlock mango. Five out of five. <laughs> Okay, good review. Thanks. <laughs> um, what about Grass um, Kings? Did you pick up Grass Kings as well? Grass Kings written by Matt Kent with Tyler Jenkins and Hillary Jenkins on art. <laughs> yep. What did you think? I really... <laughs> I want to hear what you think. I'm joking. Um, I really like this. I like this has become a kind of cool murder mystery book almost set in this yep. weird secessionist society. Um, so interesting that they kind of have these twin sisters one of whom has an eye patch who um record everything around the time around the town like record all these conversations so there's like a log of all these conversations that people have had that's pretty cool and interesting someone's dad might be implicated in the murder someone's dad yeah 
I enjoy I enjoy meeting all the new characters in this town. Me too. Um, I will. I have to. I've got to say that the back page, the back cover, features mm-hmm. a Rolf Harris quote. Yeah, I know. Makes me. Did you see that? Yeah, it makes you feel very like conflicted. I don't. I, I don't know. Maybe Matt Kent doesn't really know who Walt, Rolf Harris is. He actually didn't even write that song. Oh, this really? is a song that he used to perform. Ah. So he, he he quotes a song from a song called Two Little Boys" in the back cover and credits it to, to Rolf Harris, who is a known pedophile. Yeah. Um. A weird, a weird d- decision to do that. It is a weird. It is a weird. It's an odd call. <laughs> to say the least. Also, was Rolf Harris, like, is it... I mean, I know... Was he charged with being a creepy pedo? Or is he... I think so. I know he definitely went to court about it, but I wasn't sure whether he was cleared. Either way, we can all agree he's a creepy weirdo. Yeah, and maybe don't put him on the back cover of your comic book, which is otherwise fantastic. Which is otherwise incredible. Yeah, R- Rolf, Rolf Harris was found guilty of 12 counts of indecent assault. Jesus Christ. What a world yep. we live in. <laughs> um, and, and we're talking about like assaults that happened in like the six, in between the 60s and the 80s. So many more have yeah. come out in like, just, like, just the last week alone. Yeah, it's true. No good. Um, let's talk about Centipede number four, which is a book that you didn't read. I did about not. Before I start coughing and spluttering again. Written by Max Bemis, who we mentioned earlier on Moon Knight, with art by Aeon Marin. Um, this is the penultimate issue of this uh, pretty good series about um, the last man on Earth against the big centipede from the Centipede arcade game. Um, and uh, in this one, half the issue is just him tripping balls and imagining himself reborn as like a centipede himself and being forced into battle. Spooky. And it was so good, it makes me makes me cough. Nice. But it doesn't give me a leg cramp, which is the new, <laughs> the new scale of greatness that we use in this podcast. Um, Siobhan, go and tell me, can you talk about the one comic that I didn't read that you've got left while I run and refill my water bottle? Fighting American? I'm assuming Fighting American. Yeah, go for it. Do it. So this is written by uh, Gordon Rennie with art by Duke Mighton, colors by Tracy Bailey, letters by Simon Boland. So this is like an old Joe Simon and Jack Kirby property to kind of trade in on the success of Captain America. It's basically like a Captain America, but he's called the Fighting American. And I kind I quite like the take that um Shadisar agrees that they've taken on this comic where much like Captain America, Johnny uh Nelson Flagg has been transported to current day America um when he was trying to fight some communists and he still thinks that the communists are the worst threat and it's just kind of him dealing with the world now so he gets paired up with a female fbi agent and he's like ah well i guess she'll do until a real agent has the time to come and (laughs) come and help us out um and that's pretty like entertaining in a like ah aren't old people sexist sort of way (laughs) um i I actually really enjoy this the art's really like kind of weird there's really cool interesting faces duke mighton is like a really interesting cartoonist i think the colors are like really kind of bright poppy flats um that i really enjoy i i think this is like a fun take on a classic property shadisar does not like it though he doesn't enjoy all the jokes about communism (laughs) at least we timed that with like it would have been so bad if he started crying while i was away from the microphone and both of us were like reaching for the other person, like help you help, no you help, no you review. Um, and uh, what else have we got? Um, Eugenic, yeah, issue number, boom, issue number two for of Eugenic, written by James C. <laughs> in the fourth with Eric Donovan. I like um, that you pronounce it Kinney like Eugene through Boom Studios. 
Yeah, oh, eugenic, sorry. Wait, eugenic? Eugenic. I would say eugenic, but... Yeah, it's definitely eugenic. You're definitely right. Oops. <laughs> I, I, people have started like mentioning all the things I mispronounce all the time, <laughs> um, which is always fun. There are just words that you read without ever hearing. Totally. I, it, yeah. We all have them. Give me a break, everybody. Um, so the first issue of this was insane. Um, basically, like uh, in order to save the Earth's population, a scientist uh, does something, um, creates a drug that allows women to become fertile again and give birth. But when they do give birth... All their babies are hideous. Scary, scary purple babies. And, and he does this to basically make everyone... If everyone looks d- gross, then the world will be a better place because people won't judge people based on image. Mm-hmm. Um, which is noble, but... Misguided. Maybe flawed. Um, and then we, we've jumped many years into the future now. 200 years. And there's like 15, 15% of the population is still regular looking humans. Um, and they are being like forced to live in like camps and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um so maybe his his incredible vision of the future wasn't a very smart one. I really enjoy this series. I like the way that they're doing each issue as a kind of standalone thing and each issue jumps 200 years in the future. I think that's really clever. I think they've done a really great yep. job of like really solid, interesting world building of a really strange concept. I, I love this. I love everything about this book. I think it's really, um, oh, what's the word? Like, they're aiming really Good. high, and they've okay. achieved that. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a very high-concept book done, done mm-hmm. very well that doesn't feel exhaustive to, exhausting to read. Yeah, absolutely. And so much, um, like, the subtle world-building of um, just, the, just the way it looks and the surrounding things and the fact that so many people seem to use makeup to try and look like the purple people, the Newmans, as they're called. Yep. I yeah. Which is great. I think that's a lot to really enjoy so, about this book. Although I kept it whenever they said Newman's, I kept imagining it in Jerry Seinfeld's voice. Exactly. That's that's the only issue with this book. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to guess that the the issue that you didn't read that I didn't read that you did read is Judge Dredd, Blessed Earth. Oh no, I didn't read that. Oh whoops, we both skipped it this week. Oh, Let's just it. assume it was great, like all the issues before it, and make sure we both pick it up this week. Agreed. Um then you would have read the um, Dan Dare book? I did read Dan Dare. Did you read Dan Dare? No, I did not. Ah. No. Uh, Written by Peter Milligan? Yeah, it's pretty good. I still like it. So, bad aliens are attacking Dan Dare. Now there's a cool, sexy alien lady who's come to help them out. But she does not have time for his nonsense. Anyway, it's pretty good. <laughs> Who dares attack Dan Dare? Um... We're going to finish this episode with a review of Ghost Money, issue number four, written by Terry Smolderin, with art by Dominique Bertale. Um, this is uh, a story published uh, by Lionforge. Um, they've, they've translated it for English for the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an incredible story about, um, fuck, like, about so many, many things. It's, yeah. It's engrossing. Like, you know, I, I, in the same way that you failed to kind of find the right words to describe eugenic this is like that tenfold for me. It's just, it's so high concept. Um, and it's about like, you know, like, like central intelligence and, and the middle East and, and money, technology, the economy. And money and yeah. And then also just relationships. Is, yeah. And the secret language between lovers. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I fucking love this it's book. So, so and it's so gorgeous to look at. Like this is such a yep. beautiful, interesting, intelligent comic book. And I love, I love it. You get yeah. so much from it. 
yeah, this is like, this is the book on the stands that I'm most excited about mm-hmm. month to month now. Um, and hilariously, again, it's Lionforge doing the best stuff ever. Lionforge but- have just like created such a great niche for what they're doing. And I'm so excited by it. And they've really like made me realize that I I need to read more European comic books, mm-hmm. which uh, I think everyone can agree is only a good thing. I agree, um, and they they so like, yeah. really um, reward you for buying in single issue. You know, like the, I feel like they're single handedly trying to bring the single issue back by just printing things beautifully. Yeah, such high quality books. So like you know, and, and it's like an extra long comic. Like you know, this this issue took me twenty minutes at least to mm-hmm. read, and it's only three ninety nine on the yeah. stands like it's it's absolutely worth your money worth your time please try and pick up ghost money agreed um or, or, or wait like another year for it to come out and trade but i think i think check, check down the singles is definitely what you should be doing and just check out everything that lion forge puts out i'm yet to be steered wrong by them well especially with their translated stuff definitely absolutely i mean uh, you weren't the biggest fan of the voltron book were you ah that's true <laughs> well <laughs> those are our only um those are all of our reviews. Our only Jesus. I'm, I need to get back into bed, <laughs> but I have to edit this episode. For, no, uh, you can do um, that from bed. Uh, yeah, that's very true. Um, hopefully Siri can do it for me. <laughs> <laughs> Siri, cut out Siobhan. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, and uh, normally I would have uh, had the foresight to let you know all of the great books that are coming out this week. Um, instead, I've just gotten to A and seen a book that you should definitely get, and it ties into Lion Forge, the first trade of Aberato. Pick it up. Um, which just wrapped up a couple of weeks ago. Uh, we really, really loved. Um, it's a bit set in Montreal. It's about um, like rebels against the government. Mm-hmm. It's brilliant. Mm-hmm. It looks fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, the first trade of that comes out, so please pick that one up. That's a, a highest recommendation for both of us. Absolutely. Um, if you would like to find us online, we can find us facebook.com slash podcast or join our group at groups slash Facebook.com slash group slash Serious Issues Podcast. Um, we are also on Twitter at Serious underscore underscore issues or individually at Siobhan CBG and at Levdog, L-E-V-D-A-W-G. Um, we're on Instagram as well under those same nicknames. And you can send us an email, issues at kingscomics.com or support the show just like Denim Harry did at the beginning of the episode um, by finding us at patreon.com slash Serious Issues Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks, and guys. Make sure you keep listening for our very, very special Thor Ragnarok Easter egg post-credit scene where Levens explains to me what happened in it. Okay, okay now and goodbye. <laughs>Hey, this is Levens. Thanks so much for listening to Serious Issues. If you're not completely sick of my voice by now, why don't you check out one of my other podcasts? One is called Hey Fam, and it's about comedy and pop culture, so like comic book movies and comic book TV shows, all that kind of thing. The other one is called The Mitchin, and it's all about the uh, food and bar scene in Sydney. You can find both of them on iTunes or download them directly at yolevens.com slash podcasts. Thanks so much for your support, and I'll see you next week. Bye-bye. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. I mean, if you want. It's up to you. So, so uh, explain to me which what you need to expl- explain. Okay, so the post-credit scene of Thor is just like a big spaceship, right? Was I supposed yeah. to recognize whose spaceship that was? I think it's meant to be Thanos' ship. Okay. Well, that's kind of what I assumed also, but I was like... Is there something more to it? But no, just a big scary spaceship, probably Thanos. 
Yeah, I mean, like, unfortunately, not all not all superheroes and villains have the foresight to put like their their bat. Like, you know how Batman puts his head on, yeah, on yeah, his yeah. on his car. Exactly. Yeah. All everyone should just put their head on their car. I agree. Or maybe he had like personalized number plates. <laughs> so I, like, I death. love death. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so there, good. Anything okay, else good. you explained? No, that's it. I think. Did you like the movie? Yeah, I did. I really enjoyed it. I liked yeah, it. Yeah, it was really fun. Good fun. Um, how good was uh, Korg? Korg was excellent. Korg was really good fun. I like it. I want a Korg solo movie. Yep, same. Excellent. excellent. All right, well, also, Jeff Goldblum. I want a Jeff Goldblum solo movie in that character. Just as but, oh, as that character or yeah. just as Jeff Goldblum? I mean, what's Jeff the Goldblum difference? beats up the Marvel Universe. <laughs> I'm into it. Yes, please. See you guys. Bye. Nice. Thank you. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.